Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We are your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Jeremy Blair. And uh, we would like to officially welcome you to Season 2 of Reservations with Rain and Jeremy. Uh, if you didn't listen to last week, last week, uh, Part 4 of our finale of 80s month uh, ended Season 1, is what we're going to call it. And now we are starting with Season 2 with... A pick that Jeremy really wanted to talk about. Um, a movie I actually really, really wanted to see. And now I'm glad I have actually seen it. And that is the uh, second movie by suit designer Tom Ford. And I, I, I just want to throw that out enough that he designed suits for a living. $3,000 sports coats, mind you. <laughs> oh, it was $3,000? Like, I, I didn't even look it up last week. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I looked it up yeah. while we were while me and Ashley were watching the movie. Because I was like, yeah, you know, I wanted to get one. And so I just found like a velvet brown uh, cocktail coat. $3,690. I think you may have made the mistake of going with velvet number one <laughs> two that it said cocktail I think those are two very expensive words so I think if you had gone with Professor Corduroy I think that would have been like oh cool it's only a thousand dollars but anyway um, I'm pretty sure Jeremy mentioned it last week that this is Tom Ford's second mm-hmm. movie and it is Nocturnal Animals. I'm so excited. Uh, based on the book, I don't know the author's name, but I know the book is called Tony and Susan, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of interesting because, we, I mean, we'll get into it, but I think it's interesting that the book is referring to Tony mm-hmm. instead of Edward. Right. But we'll get into that. Um, man, I just... So before we really talk about the movie, I mean, we were talking about it off mic. Uh, I loved it. It was, yeah, it I'm was, glad you did. It was so good. Um, and, you know, I don't I don't usually gravitate towards dramas a lot just That's because, okay. I don't know, it's a little harder for me to, I just, I'm banging around a lot. I apologize. Um, I just, I don't like, <laughs> this is going to sound weird. I don't like to feel feelings while I'm watching a movie. Okay. <laughs> Especially real feelings. So that's why I don't gravitate towards dramas, unless it's like a dramedy. Um, I know. I've seen your movie collection. Yeah. Um, but I was so engaged mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, and like I was telling my mom this morning, you know, it's it's a little under two hours. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the movie was so much longer. Like, I didn't, like, at one point, I was like, oh, I wonder how much time we have left. And we had 30 minutes left. I was like, wow, what? Like, where has it gone? I felt like the movie was just much longer. Mm -hmm. And I guess that could say for how the the film is uh, uh, played. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where the You lost the thread. Yeah. Well, yeah, how the movie, yeah, how the movie is told and seen, it just, it feels like a much bigger movie yeah so let me start uh i want to give a brief just a plot synopsis you know just so people know what we're talking about um so the movie opens which i i do have to warn people all the time because i love oh, yes well i love this movie so much and you know i i love the way it opens i you know i had a giant grin on my face in the film in the movie theater when uh-huh. i saw it the first time i you know i was like 
this is Tom Ford, man. This guy gets it. Like, I am – you have my attention. You know? It is – it turns out it is Susan's art show, right? right. And we don't know that at the time. It's just uh, obese, naked women. Dancing. Yeah, with like sparklers and, you know. like Pom-poms. And- yeah, it's kind of like almost like Fourth of July theme, almost kind of what it looks like. There's confetti, there's whatever. And it's all slow-mo and the music is gorgeous. And you're just, you know, the juxtaposition between the two. I mean, it got me. I, you got me. I loved it. And... You know, I heard people in the movie theater go, ah, ah, "What? What is this?" Well, oh, what's funny? Oh, it's funny you mentioned that. So when me actually started, <laughs> and you see, and you see just a pair of boobs, I was like, "Oh, there's uh, there's some boobs right there. Some some big boobs." And the the more it went on, Ashley was like, "I wonder how many people went and saw this in the theater." And walked out because no one in mind, but <laughs> I can tell they were thinking about it um, because I heard them because they were talking about it. They're like, oh, oh, oh. you know, uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, guys, shut the fuck up, you know. So try to watch a movie. Anyway. Wow. OK. Now we need to get through this analysis. Anyway. OK. So we're at Susan's art show and um, Susan is a very successful artist she does these gigantic art shows and this is one of them that we were on that we were seeing um she goes back to her house uh you can tell there's tension with her husband he didn't show up and they have this little small argument um however uh, and this is the only time quote we could see edward in in the present is when he pulls up in his Mercedes and drops off the manuscript. Right? Oh, see, I missed that. Because um, when she gets home, you know, the gate is like stainless steel. And so the lights blind her, right? Mm-hmm. And then she gets in the gate. And then after she gets in, behind her comes the the Mercedes and he drops off the manuscript. You don't really, you don't see him. You just see the car and the door open, right? Uh-huh. Anyway, so um, one of her guards security i don't know who he is security yeah. i think yeah head um, of security hands her this package says hey you had we found this on the front porch front porch i mean it's like the front of the gate yeah. of this gigantic house um and you know it's addressed to you you know and she allows him to open it he opens it well no she opens it and paper oh, cuts herself that's which- right Ashley hated, by the way. She's like, oh, you still can't open it because you cut your little finger? Okay. Wow. All right. Well, uh, Ashley needs to calm down because uh, it's it's Amy Adams. She can do whatever she wants. So Yeah, so she cuts her finger. Right. Paper oh, cuts that's it, right. And then he And then she's it. like, can you? And he, right. And, he and then he it. reads it. Right. And so it is from her ex-husband. It is a manuscript he has written and- About you know, to be published. She hasn't thought about him in years, you know? <gasps> and so this is kind of bringing back, you know- past emotions and memories and anyway so then she starts to read it and so the movie jumps back and forth from susan in her daily life to the 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 narrative of the manuscript the novel she's reading which which i love i I love that the movie jumps and i would say a good portion of the movie is the is the manuscript playing out in her head Mm -hmm. but i loved that i you know, because, you know, when we all read books, we all have in our minds what it would look like. Yeah, I and- don't know how to read, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I've heard people say that. Uh, anyway, so so anyway, uh, we also get flashbacks of 
uh, her and Edward's relationship mm-hmm. when they were together. And her relationship with her mother. Right. Uh, played by Laura Lenny, whom I do not like. And so it was very easy for me to hate her very much. Oh, I want her character's a bitch anyway. Yeah, her so. character's terrible, but I also don't like Laura Lenny. So I was like, ugh. It was double for me. Anyway, <laughs> nothing against Laura Lenny. It's just every time... She plays a character in something. I don't like it. I don't know what it is about her. I don't, I don't know. Um, anyway, so that's the that's bare bones. I, I don't want right. to get any further in it because we're gonna we're gonna step by step through. As you can see, I have plenty of notes uh, to go over. And I just watched the movie last night, so it's very fresh in my brain. So the what the narrative of the book she's reading is family goes on a road trip. Which uh, they were going to go to Marfa. Yeah, they don't really say why, right? I mean, probably go, go see the lights. I mean, we do that. Oh, by the way, it's set in West Texas, which is awesome because that's where we're from. Yes. So. Uh, and, you know, you know, uh, as we were talking about off mic, Tom Ford may not have been raised in Texas, but he was born in Austin. Yeah. So that automatically gets him a Texan pass yeah, right absolutely. there. Texan for life. Um and so we're very familiar with the area. It's kind of like in like No Country for Old Men where they talk about oh. where they're at. It's like, oh, I know where they are. You know what I mean? It's so much fun. You know, this is probably what people from New York feel like all the time because a lot of movies are set in New York. And they're yeah. like, oh, hey, I've eaten there. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> us, as my, as my dad would say, us good old boys in Texas, we don't really get that very often. And so when a film is set in West Texas, it's like, oh, how much fun is that? Yeah. You know, I've driven on that road or whatever. Well, and Ashley actually made the good point, which we're really about to get into. She was she didn't like the representation of how they were showing West Texans. Because mm-hmm. um, she was like, they're making us look like a bunch of fucking inbred redneck <laughs> assholes. I was like, well, I mean, no offense if anyone from West Texas is listening. Uh, some are. <laughs> People are like that everywhere. Yeah. You know, instead of hillbilly rednecks, you're just, you know, white trash, you know, yeah. or, you know, who cares? You know what I mean? Or you're just an asshole. There's, there's people like that everywhere. And, you know, if you want a pretty decent representation of Texans, watch a Richard Linklater movie. Oh, fuck yes. Or <laughs> uh, watch Undone on Amazon. It's set in San Antonio. Um which anyway. is yeah, uh, which is funny side sorry sidebar yeah I was watching Office Space on my lunch break which was exclusively filmed in Dallas and Austin mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> Mike Judge did a really good job of making it not feel like Texas it doesn't feel like Texas at all uh, so like when you I think you actually see the Dallas skyline in the mm-hmm. opening shot mm-hmm. and I still don't believe I'm like that's not that's Dallas. not Dallas. <laughs> And I think it's because the characters don't. Ron Livingston's not from. Yeah, he's from. No one, no one, I don't think any in the main cast is from Texas. No, I don't think so. Anyway. Right. So. So the family in the book, in the manuscript, going on a trip to Marfa. Going on a trip to Marfa, probably to see the lights. We've all done that. At least I have. Um, Um, And I got to see them, which was fun. And they decided they're going to drive all night. That's right. Um, In the. Anyway, we won't get to that. But um, so. They get in some sort of a disagreement, a, a, a nonverbal, yeah, a vehicular <laughs> disagreement. Yeah. So with um, with a couple of cars, and they they box them in, and they run them off the road. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they get into a 
verbal argument with the owners of the two cars, uh, one of them played by Aaron Taylor Johnston. Who, Johns, um, Johnson. Johnson. Not a T, sorry. Um, if anyone doesn't know who that is, uh, Kick-Ass. That was, like, really his breakout role. Uh, he was Quicksilver in, in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, married to the woman who directed Nowhere 50 Boy. Shades of Grey. And Nowhere Boy. Yeah. No. Um, who, I got to say, he... Um, <laughs> and I know you said you wrote it down, but I'm going to beat you to it. Okay. He plays a good scumbag. Yeah, no, he's great. Uh, yeah, you're right. I did write it down. Um and that's okay because I get to talk about Michael Shannon later. So who oh, gives a fine. shit? Um, um, but yeah, yeah. So you know, he come, he gets out, and you know, Jake Gyllenhaal barely rolls down the window, uh, low enough to where he could talk, and then Aaron just lays into him mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, aren't you supposed to stop when there's an accident? And yeah, because I think it was like a they they bump there was a fender better or whatever during yeah, that. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Uh, Barely bumps the end, the back end of Tony Hastings. Let's yeah, yeah, let's Tony, say that Tony, because yeah. both Tony and Hastings are important, right? You mean Tony and Edward? No, both the names oh, Tony, Tony, and, Tony Hastings. and Hastings. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. important. Um, anyway, I have that written down too. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah. So because you know they they're break checking. You know because you know Ray, Aaron, and his gang get in front of him. They're break checking him, and he mm-hmm. taps him. And God, I wish I could remember the actor's name um, who played Lou. Yeah, because he was in a movie I love, pun intended, because it's called Love, is the movie. It's a okay. Gaspier No uh, film, or Gaspier No Way, however you want to say it. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, N-O-E. Is, uh, anyway, uh, he's great in that. And so when I saw him in this, I was like, oh, hey, that's that guy. <laughs> you know, really excited. Um, and he's great in it, too. Um, but... Accents are Carl pretty, Glusson. Thank you. Um, accents are good, mm-hmm. right? The accents are pretty good. No yeah. one holds a candle to Michael Shannon's because oh, his yes. is perfect. His is a perfect West Texas accent. I love it. Lieutenant Bobby Andes. Oh, it's so great. And he's – I love the way he talks to people, I love, but we'll get there. So yeah. um, they – I mean it's and it's so uncomfortable, right? And really what it is – is and my dad hates this in movies, which is the loss of control. This guy doesn't have control of the situation. Tony, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not—he's not acting the way you would expect him to, right? He's very submissive. He's not—he's not willing to, you know, cross the line into violence. He's not, you know, it's. You would say it's not the manly thing to do. I'm quoting air yeah. quotes. Um, which is a lot of the complaint I got from the man in front of me during the movie at the movie theater. And well, I had to tell him to shut up because Tom Ford doesn't make that many movies. Shut your mouth. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and it's funny you bring that up because that's kind of what Ashley was going through of, you know, she looked at me and she's like, if we – she was like, I highly doubt we'll ever be in this situation. But if we are, are ever in the situation, I would hope that you wouldn't act like that. <laughs> Which made me, of course, feel like... It's uh, hard, I mean, it's hard to say, yeah. right? Uh, you would like to think you would be, you know, a little more active in your defense, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, so you, anyway, yeah. they end up they, driving his car with his wife and daughter in the car. Yeah, because they, you know, they do some, some very... Use carsman sales like pitches like it, it's yeah you know we'll we'll fix your flat tire 
but everyone needs to get out of the car. We can't jack up the car with everyone still in the car. Also not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I knew that. Um, and then Isla Fisher plays uh, mm-hmm. Laura Hastings. Um, and the daughter hopped back in the car trying to escape. And then that's when they... Tom Ford did an amazing job with real-life cultural things in casting Isla Fisher because she's mistaken for Amy Adams all the time. Yeah. And vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. And so... While Have they ever done a movie together? No. That would be I don't awesome. Think so. <laughs> and so while... While Amy Adams is reading this manuscript, well, yeah, well, you know, she's, she's picturing it. her ex-husband, Edward, as Tony, which is also played by Jake Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. right? And then Isla Fisher is this woman who's basically a doppelganger for uh, for Amy Adams. I mean, it's brilliant because, yeah. like, he took what real-life people do, which is mistake the two of them, and then put it to use. Yeah. You know, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah, because, <clears throat> you know, while Susan's reading, she's... You know, she's experiencing very real, very visceral emotions. Right. And and that's important, too, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, the casual reader of this manuscript wouldn't react that way. It's because it's Susan. Right. Yes. And again, we'll get there. So. So they. I'm so, going to yada yada through a lot of this because, you know. Yeah. So just watch the movie. It's it's boring to hear us talk about the actual narrative. But yeah. So Lou drives Tony out to the middle of nowhere and yeah. just dumps him. Yeah. And then they come back and said, you know, your wife's trying to your wife's asking for you, which is bullshit. And he knows that. So that's the smartest thing he did all day was not go up there. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, he he hides. They go away. He starts walking. And finally finds a place to call the police because now he doesn't know where his wife and daughter are. Unfortunately, they find his wife and daughter. They are dead. Yeah. And very brutally. Yeah. And what Tom Ford does. (laughs) Well, I see. And Ashley picked up. I'm assuming you're going to talk about the imagery. Yes. Ashley picked up on it. Of how and it's throughout the whole movie. This isn't the only example. Oh yeah, of the the yeah. kind of juxtaposition mm-hmm. of this manuscript and what's happening in reality. Right. These are these are overlays, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the way his daughter is laying on the couch in this junkyard where they dumped the bodies. Yeah, on this red pristine couch. Yeah, it's like a red velvet couch. <laughs> like it's really nice, uh, which is kind of surreal, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of plays on the the surreal um surreality, that's not a word. Anyway, <laughs> surreal <laughs> uh, of of Edward trying to digest all this information, right? The mm-hmm. fact that it's on this red red couch in this junkyard is crazy mm-hmm. to the audience, right? Right. Um, and so we kind of get a sense of that sort of uncanny sort of like, what the hell is going on? Because that's what Edward or that's what Tony's feeling, right? Yeah. And, and so um, as soon as Susan reads this part of the novel, she calls her daughter and her daughter is in the exact same position in her bed, in her bedroom in college. Mm-hmm. With, right? her, With her boyfriend, I assume. Yeah. Um, and it, it sort of gives you – it gives the audience – um, a visual 
a visual, I guess, analogy or a visual representation of what Susan is doing in her mind. So Susan is putting herself and her daughter and Edward in this book. Mm -hmm. And so it makes her worried about her daughter, right? We wouldn't understand that so much Mm -hmm. if, if she were just like, you know, if she were like doing something else, like if she were just like sitting eating breakfast, right? Right. When she called, we wouldn't get that sort of. And it also helps us know that's her daughter, right? Yeah. Which um, we never see after that scene. Right. Exactly. We just get the. This is how Susan feels. How can we get people to understand mm-hmm. that she's that she's putting so much of her life into this book? Let's have them. In the, in the same position. Yeah, let, let's have them look the same. Right. As in, let's let's mirror these images together, right? Mm-hmm. And so... And I, I think we should point out absolute that... Absolute brilliance. You know, Amy Adams is redhead. Yeah. And the character that uh, Isla Fisher is playing in the, in the manuscript, her name is Laura. Isla Fisher is also a redhead. Mm-hmm. And the, I don't know the actress who played the daughter for the manuscript. She's also a redhead, but then... <laughs> Like, multiple levels of redhead here. Yeah. Uh, because then Susan's daughter is also redhead. So I feel like really drawing parallels everywhere mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the rest of the movie is trying to bring these guys to justice, right? The rest mm-hmm. of the manuscript is trying to bring these guys to justice. Right. And that's where we meet Michael Shannon. He's going to help him do it. He's the, well, he's, well, we meet Michael Shannon before that. Because he's with him when they find the bodies. Mm. But then Michael Shannon, I guess, really wants to help Tony find these guys and get justice for Tony's family. So let's talk about um, why Susan has such visceral emotion and such visual reactions to this manuscript. Let's talk about that. I have lots of notes about it. Yes. It's... so Edward wrote this as an allegory, mm-hmm. right? Which he even dedicated to Susan. He did. He did dedicate it to Susan and named it Nocturnal Animals. And later we find out that... You that know, is... Well, it was a nickname that he'd a, given yeah, her. Yeah. He would call her Nocturnal because she never slept, right? And mm-hmm. it, it's something small, but it's, you know, it's double, hey, Susan, guess what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is about you. And so... Um, because really the the name doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. It's it's really just an inside thing for for him to to I guess kind of mess with Susan. But anyway. Yeah. So in the flashbacks, we get the the meet after you know being out of high school forever because they went to high school together mm-hmm. um, in New York. In New York. Coincidentally, because you know they were both from Hastings, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Texas. I assume Texas. Well, yeah, um, I think because because they had the accents. Yeah, because then they mention when they when they run into each other, she's like, you know, I thought you were going to the University of Texas. That's right. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm thinking about coming to Columbia. You know, and then he asks her about Yale, and she's like, oh, well, I'm actually at Columbia mm-hmm. getting my master's. Right. And so they. They reconnect and they spark up a relationship. They start dating, um, and then they eventually get married. Which um, 
Laura Linney, who plays Susan's mom, <sighs> I don't like highly uh, does not want to happen. Because he is not in their class, right? Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's not as uh, monetarily well off. He's not in the same socioeconomic status as they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I really like to preface it by, you know, after they reconnect... Um, they go to dinner, and she starts to talk about her brother, Cooper, mm-hmm. yeah, and how the family's disowned him. And Edward's like, well, well you know, why? Because Cooper's gay. Mm-hmm. And her family is... I like that she points out that they're racist twice. Um, but they're racist, they're conservative, they're Republicans, and they have just completely disowned Cooper mm-hmm. because he's gay. And, and I feel like that really sets up the scene for when she's having dinner with her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they're too. I mean, <laughs> Susan has to be so defensive with her mom, right? Mm-hmm. And so it is that sort of, you know, here's what it's like when she's comfortable. Here's what it's like when she's not. Right. Right. Um, hell, it could have been the same restaurant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't, I don't think. But anyway, I don't think that it doesn't was matter. Either. So. Um, they end up getting married. There's a small scene, a flashback, where he is waiting for her to finish something he's written, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, really nervous, and he's pacing back and forth. And, you know, she she does have constructive criticism. You know, she's right. not being mean. She's just saying, you know, I, I feel like you should write about something other than yourself, right? Mm-hmm. This, this stuff you're writing is not going to get you anywhere, right? Yeah. And then they get in this big argument, you know, and and he's like, you know, uh, I can't remember what he says, but you know, she's like, I'm being a realist. But see, that that scene is so important because he ends up, you know, he ends up sort of quasi writing about himself in at, in Nocturnal Animals mm-hmm. in the manuscript, and it's a masterpiece. Uh, you know, it's yeah, because you know, in the middle of the movie, she's thinking about typing him an email saying how wonderful the book is and that it you know and I and I noticed that she used the term it's devastating but yeah. in a positive sense yeah you know it's devastating it's so beautifully written mm-hmm. but then she I don't think she sends that email um, at least I don't think she does I don't remember but I think she did because he responded to it talking oh, about yeah, dinner she right? said we should meet up yeah for dinner sometime we'll get there so it's so important in that scene, number one, that she gives him constructive criticism. Yes. She's not afraid to do that. Two, she didn't like it because it was about him, right? Mm-hmm. He put too much of himself in this, right? Yes. And that, as she put it, I was bored. My mind began to wander. But with this, it is, number one, about himself. Number two, she loved it. And so that we really – since we saw that other scene – we get the feeling, wow, this must be really, really good, right? Mm-hmm. And so how it's about them is it's an allegory for their relationship, yes. right? Um, Susan is sort of Aaron Taylor Johnston, right? She took away his family. And what I mean by that is she... Um, as we learn in a flashback, she meets Army Hammer, uh, tall, dark, and handsome, um, and <laughs> the has, Winklevoss twins, and has an affair. <laughs> yes, and has an affair with him. Yes, and she gets pregnant. Now we aren't sure if it's his or if it's Edward's. Right? Well, 
But she says, I don't think I can look at Edward after what I did to his child. Right. In the car. Oh, because really they, they had just left the clinic. Right. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I made you come with me. You're, oh, that's right. You're Catholic. I can't believe. And he's like, no, I'm here for you. You know, and she's like hysterically crying in his arms. And she's like, I don't think I can ever look at Edward the same way again after what I just did to his child. And then she oh, sees right. Edward. Edward. Oh, what a beautiful um reveal too with the with the windshield and the rain and and you know, Ed, and, and Jake and just, just standing right yeah. there right uh, anyway so she took away his family right mm-hmm. um and not just the you know not just the the child that they would have had together but also her i mean she took herself out of this relationship mm-hmm. and ended up marrying army hammer, army hammer right Which- I have a theory on, but we'll get to that. But, and you know, and, and what's so crazy is right before the abortion scene, they're having a fight, you know, outside and about how she's, this isn't working anymore. And we want different things and this, this and that. And he, he makes a good point of, you know, when you love someone, you don't just walk away, you work on it. Mm-hmm. And, and I noticed after they have the fight, you know, she kind of leaves him. You know, she just leaves him outside. And there's a shot of him standing next to a, either just a parked car or maybe like a car lot. And the car that he's standing next to looks exactly like the car that Aaron Taylor Johnson drives. Nicely done. Yeah. That's done on purpose. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 Very nicely done. Um, also a testament to how we build worlds in our mind when we read, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's probably the time she was most aware of her surroundings. And, you know, especially during that argument and even during the, the abortion scene, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's so vivid in her mind and so she can take things. She might not know where they came from. Right. But they're still planted in there. Anyway. Right. Um, so, uh, so after the abortion reveal because you know in the scene previous she's telling i guess like her assistant you know he was my first husband and i did something to him unforgivable Mm -hmm. and the assistant just assumes oh you left him and she's like yes i left him but i and 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 i feel like it's a very nice choice of words i left him in such a brutal way yeah and uh and see and i knew immediately it's like okay what did she do and then we got the and then we got to know what she did, right? Yeah. And so the feeling of the helplessness that Tony feels when he is confronted by the hooligans, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and whatever name you said earlier. Lou and Turk. Thank you. Um, that is how he felt in the relationship with Susan, right? Yes. So helpless that, you know, he can't do anything about this, you know, whatever. Uh, betrayal, mm-hmm. right, um, as well. Um, and so these correlate pretty well um, with the narrative of the novel and his real life relationship with Susan, um, which is so cool, right? Yeah. Um, and so, oh, we already talked about that. Um, now we can talk about um, overlaying images, so or mirrored images. Yes. So it yeah, happens that happened, all the time. Oh yeah. In the movie, um, she like the bath, right? Mm-hmm. So. After Tony, um, I don't want to say he knows anything where his 
Like, yeah, he doesn't know where his wife and child are like, yet. Like when after he goes to the cops yeah, and they're like, go to the hotel. The, yes. And, you know, he is just wallowing and just dread and, you know, depression. And he's in this bath. And Amy Adams is in the bath. And we keep mm-hmm. going there, back and forth. Yeah, there's several parts where she's in the shower. And then right. it's and he's in the, the sh- shower. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of that. Right. Which, um, again is just a testament to <laughs> Tom Ford's, you know, his, his eye for detail and his, his eye for, you know, visual analogy that, you know, we we can see how personal she's taking this book mm-hmm. by, and it's sort of like she's thinking about it all the time, right? Yeah. And it's bringing back all these feelings and that, you know, and all this regret you know, mm-hmm. um, it's absolutely brilliant. Can we again just mention Tom Ford didn't go to film school? Yes. Like this is just <laughs> he says that it's his way to get out his creative outlet. This is his creative outlet is to make movies. He's yeah. done it twice now. And it's like, well, thank God he chose movies because like he would be so kick ass at something else, too. But like if you've seen a single man. It's like it's like a veteran made that, just like this one. Oh yeah, like you how, know? yeah how how I loved how it was shot. Yeah, I, it was beautifully shot. Um, the the transitions are seamless, and I and I love. I, I got a little worried at first because I've been having some issues with my Apple TV, but the first cut to black mm-hmm. out of oh, nowhere, yeah. I was like, oh my god, did my Apple TV just mess up? And then the <laughs> scene started again. Yeah, and he does that. Like two or three more times, and I absolutely love that. A lot of it is to show, like, hey, the narrative of the novel is about to come up, you know, or mm-hmm. well, when he did it during, like, we're watching the novel mm-hmm. play. Oh, out, that's right. And, and then he cuts at one point, and then we're back into the novel. Yeah, it's it, it's sort of like chapter's over. <laughs> yeah, you know, new chapter. That yeah, that's that's a yeah. I never, I didn't really think about and, it. Like and that. without. You know, saying it, it's like one year later, you know, it's kind of what it was, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, he shaves his beard and he is, you know, they mention it's been a year. Yeah, yeah, because it's when they um, they need him to identify Lou. That's right. And he's like, you know, you know, are you, you know, the guy, because he, t- he sent him an email shortly after, like, the first initial starts mm-hmm. report, you know, he sends it, you know. When I say he, uh, Michael Shannon, love Michael Shannon, uh, sends Tony an email like, "Is this is this one of the guys?" And he can't recognize him. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, he's called to identify Lou in a botched holdup, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he's like, "You know, last year when I sent you that picture, you couldn't identify him. Are you sure you can identify this guy?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I can." Yeah, and it's like a year. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it just it, it hits you really hard <laughs> that it's been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and so I should point out, and I mentioned to you off mic. So, barely fifteen minutes into this, my wife, my wife, <laughs> sorry, I could know it, um, decided she wanted to look up what was going to happen. Um, I don't know why she does this, and if she's listening, honey, I don't know why you do this. Um, but she decides to look up what happens and I knew exactly what she was doing, but I was like, I'm going to watch my movie. I'm going to see what happens. So she knew exactly how the manuscript was going to end and how the movie was going to end. 
And so in that year later scene mm-hmm. where Michael Shannon's like, you know, Tony, you look different. And he's like, oh, no, no beard. Uh, yeah, you look different, too. And Ashley leans over to me. She goes, yeah, there's a reason for that. <sighs> like, oh, my God. Shut up. Shut up. Of course, I figured <laughs> out. I, I figured out what it was. I, I knew that it was. Yeah, you look different, too. Oh, I have I have cancer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Look, it's like metastasized. stage four. Is metastasized. Yeah, it's so. Oh, I love how he said that. Uh, yeah. it, I mean, he's so great, and I mean, he's good in everything he does. I mean, he's good in Boardwalk Empire. He's you know he, he's great in everything. But oh, he was great in Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, you know, oh god, I love Michael Shannon and, so you much. You know, I may be in the minority for this, but he was a great General Zod. Oh, you are in the minority for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah, you, I mean, he was great. The movies. I mean. The, the only the three benefits well and the four benefits of that movie were Lawrence Fishburne Amy Adams Michael Shannon and uh, Henry Cavill oh, that's right Amy Adams was in that oh, too. Wait. and Kevin Costner uh, Kevin um, oh wait and Diane Lane would you quit I'm sorry <laughs> alright so so anyway so he so he identifies Lou yeah and I love how Michael Shannon interrogates him mm-hmm and gets right up in his face and you know, has his hand on his holster. Yeah. And he knows he's not going to draw his weapon, but he's, you know, just right in Lou's face. And, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is really trying to, or Tony, really trying to keep it together in front of him. Yeah. Um, Benicio Del Toro's character in Sicario does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I mean, it's a lot more aggressive. Okay. But, I mean, he gets right up to this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are, I mean, the guy's sitting and Benicio's standing. And so he gets to where the guy's nose is basically touching his stomach, you know? And that, I mean, it's crazy interrogation <laughs> tactics, but it works because, yeah. you know, then they ended up waterboarding the guy. Anyway, we should do a Sicario <laughs> episode, um, which I love, by the way. Um, God, he's so good. That movie's so good. Anyway, let's not get distracted. So, welcome back to the Sicario podcast. Do I wish? All right, maybe later. You, you know who else probably likes Sicario? Or probably doesn't. But Joel Schumacher. Yeah, Joel probably doesn't like Sicario. Because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't have bat nipples. It's not toyrific, you know? Like, you can't, <laughs> you can't make a Benicio action figure. I mean, I you know, could. You I don't could, know how I, I would, would sell. It. I would buy it. <laughs> I would buy Benicio action. Okay, so... Um, so, uh, so he, he identifies Lou. Yeah. Where we were, but um, they're they're waiting for trial, right? And then he gets off, mm-hmm. right? They let him go. They uh, let Lou go. And then uh, Bobby makes Tony a promise: I'm gonna find Ray, Mm-mm. Aaron Johnson. He's like, I'm gonna find Ray Marcus, and they do. Which I have to say. It was probably one of the funniest... Like, the movie's not... I didn't f- laugh at all. It is my absolute worst nightmare. Of, of seeing someone... No, of being <laughs> in that position. You being know? on the toilet while someone's talking to you? Yes, that is my absolute worst nightmare. <laughs> so, so we just... I feel like we have to say, like... So people can visualize what is happening. So they track down um, Ray, Aaron Johnson's character... And he's like a part-time plumber, part-time electrician, and he's 100% psychopath. Yeah. And, and he, so he's decided that he installed his toilet on his front porch yeah. of his trailer. Trailer. Yeah. And so he's sitting on the toilet. A functional toilet. Function, yeah, functioning toilet with water, everything. 
pooping on the phone, smoking a cigarette, shirtless. Oh, just, he's uh, yeah, he is true. I was about to say he's naked, but he, it's good. Yeah, him. but he, he's living his best life apparently, carefree. Yeah, and and I love when Michael Shannon brings up like, yeah, part-time plumber. Hence, yeah, the toilet. And hence the uh, unique facilities. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, let's let's take a minute to talk about Aaron Taylor Johnston's look. Yes. Because uh, that was his idea. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, like the hair and the beard and everything? The hair and the mutton chops and the mustache, yeah. Yeah, the giant fucking mutton chops that are just like, yeah. like puffier than my own it's, it's full beard. It's insane. Like, yeah. he looks crazy, and he, that's the point. He looks like he also didn't wash his hair for a while, either. Yeah, yeah it's really greasy. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. greasy, really, like, matted in certain parts. Yeah, and, I mean, it's great. It, it's oh, awesome. Yeah, it yeah, looks definitely. fantastic. Yeah, it definitely uh, works it, for the character. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, he's crazy, so he must have to look crazy. And yeah. he is um, yeah, so, yeah, so they pick him up, which, I have to say, the longest wipe I've ever seen... You know, he, you know, when they God, tells him. so gross. I know. I hated this scene. Well, Ashley was really hoping, you know, even though we've been cussing, I apologize for what I'm about to say, but my wife was really hoping you'd see his penis. Oh. She was like, are we, are we about to see his penis? And no. Because as soon as he stands up, his pants are already right there. Yeah. And she's like, oh. Oh, man. I'm like. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I'm like, we just saw, like, titties at the beginning of the movie. I. I think we're good for nudity at the moment. I mean, it should be, you know, <laughs> it, sh- it should be fair game all across the board. He should have shown his pants. That's what yeah. I say. That's I what mean, I have to say about that. I right? mean, uh, Hugh Jackman was fully nude in Days of Future Past, the scene where he's yeah. naked. Yeah. yeah. He was, it wasn't like, like he only had like a sock on. And he was like, no, if, he's like, if we're going to make women be fully nude, I'm going to be fully nude. And they were just like, cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> Like, give him a sock, please. And all the girls are, like, high-fiving. Like, hells, yeah. Because <laughs> that dude, I mean, that's the best he's ever looked was in Days of Future Past, dude. Like, he yeah. was so jacked. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, so anyway, so, so yeah, they, they pick up Ray. They, inter- they interrogate Ray. Ray denies everything, obviously. Right? Yeah, and then they take him to the trailer where um, Ray and his gang raped and murdered mm-hmm. Tony's wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. And Tony, dude... Oh, also good. You, and you could you could see the pain in his eyes, which I pointed out. <laughs> I was like, "Is Jake Gyllenhaal just gonna cry this whole movie?" Yeah, because he he pretty much does. He cries the whole. Yeah, movie. he cries a lot. But you He's know, good at it. but you could really see the pain, and you know, I like my heart was pounding so hard. Yeah, because it was this very intense scene of how you know he's asking him. I want to know what they felt. I want to know what they said. I want to know, you know, what they were doing. Yeah. Like, and and Aaron Johnson just stonewalling him. And, dude, I was, I was like, my heart was pounding. I was shaking because yeah. I was just like. Yeah, oh Jake John Hall is good at everything he does. Well, yeah. Um, that's why Spider-Man Far From Home made a billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah, that's it was, why. It was all Jake Gyllenhaal. All Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal's the man. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. He's the best actor working today. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen, I, I think, everything he's ever done. I don't think he's... I, I mean, <laughs> critics didn't like it. But, I mean, Bubble Boy is still fucking okay. hilarious. I, I knew you were going to bring up Bubble Boy. <laughs> I, I should have stopped you. Um, but I didn't. And that's on me. Uh, well, and I even asked you what you felt about that. And you... 
you can't deny that you didn't like it. I don't. I I saw it. <laughs> I remember that. I honestly don't remember a thing about it. I I, know I just it's a remake. I just remember the scene with Zach Galifianakis. I don't remember him being in that movie. <laughs> He's at in all. it for two scenes. He's like a toll booth guy. And Jake Gyllenhaal's character is, you know, trying to track down the love of his life. That's the whole point of it. And he goes to him and he's like, or maybe not a toll booth guy, but he, he, I don't know what the fuck he did. Because it's just some booth in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so he t- he tells the guy like, yeah, I got to go find the love of my life. And he gives him like a dollar seventy five. He's like, how far will this get me? And Zach like leans into the to the mic in his little booth, and he's like, "All right, uh, just step back." And he's he's like, "All right, just keep going, keep going, and stop. That's how far it'll get you." <laughs> and it's so funny. Anyway, yeah, sorry. I know Zach, my buddy Zach's listening. Um, so, dude, I could just feel you rolling your eyes during the Bubble Boy <laughs> during the Bubble Boy. Uh, <laughs> section of this podcast. I'm so sorry. Um, we'll get back to Nocturnal Animals. So okay, yeah. So so Tony has a full on meltdown on Ray. Yeah, and they and, and it's it, deserved, right? But I mean, it, it, the outcome is nothing, right? Yeah. And I get really excited because I know what's going to happen because I've seen it so many times. I've seen it like five times. Well, I had a suspicion what was going to happen he, after this scene. When he's wearing his white shirt, I go, here we go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's do it because this is it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When Jake Gyllenhaal is wearing that white, like that Oxford white shirt that you know it's, it's going to be ruined by the end of this. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Um, and then they go out and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's take care of it ourselves because Michael Shannon reveals he has cancer. It's metastasized. And and the DA to prevent losing a case mm-hmm. claims it's because, uh, you know, says like there's not enough evidence to convict Ray mm-hmm. because of your cancer and Ray or uh, Bobby's cancer. And Bobby pretty much tells Tony, like, are you willing to do what you need to do to get justice? Whatever it takes. And Tony's like, absolutely. And he's like, good. Thought you'd say that. And, and yeah, because they're going to drop the case. Yeah. They're going to drop it. There's not enough evidence. And the key investigator is going to die. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and Michael Shannon at this point is like, what do, I, what do I have to lose? The thing I giggled at in this movie was Jake Hall going, but you smoke all the time. He's like, yeah, that's how it happens. Yeah, that's how it happens. I, I loved it. I was like. <laughs> Well, and how Michael Shannon delivers it, yeah, too. It just, yeah, that's how it happens. That's how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> why stop now? <laughs> it's, it's done. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, they, so they let Ray go out, get a little drunk. They pick him up, take him back to Bobby's camp, mm-hmm. and kind of give him that old, like, oh, Lou, Lou said you did it. Like, so, yeah. and then they bring in Lou. Yeah. And Lou's like, he told me you you said I did it, and like, mm-hmm. and oh, dude, and of course they, they they kill Lou. Yeah, like immediately. Well, not immediately, but you pretty know, pretty close, you know. And so this is where the revenge part comes in because yeah. you know when they decide to you know go rogue, you know they decide to go ghost pros. And <laughs> the, wait, did you just? Wait. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Pros. Um, but then, which I've never seen. 
Okay, I just like I just like the phrase ghost pearls. Can we just drop it? <laughs> but you said they're going rogue. They're going rogue, which is also uh, Rogue Nation, which is also a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, the one just fly. Which is why I went ghost pearls afterward. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't go. Well, they just they, they're about to go fall out. That doesn't make any sense. Come on, use your brain. All right. You haven't even seen Ghost Protocol. No, but I've seen Fallout. That was pretty good. Um, Dude, I have all six movies. The only I one I have you watch them. The only one I have seen, by the way, is Fallout. Um, oh my God, that's... I mean, that's a great one, too, but... I hear it's the best one. So... Anyway. Sorry, Zach, you rolled your eyes again. Oh, yeah. Um, well, well, we should mention that um, Bobby uncuffs both of them, mm-hmm. and that's when his cancer comes at the... Most uh, inopportune moment, and he leaves Tony to guard Ray and Lou, and they make a break for it. Big mistake, by the way. Because Uh, Tony's not. Jake Hall in in charge, because, yeah, Tony's not. Emotionally ready for that? No, and he's. Is it it emotionally ready, or is he just not? I, you know, it's, it's, he's definitely not your typical Texan, (laughs) because he looks at that gun like he's never seen one before. Yeah. Um, but, you know, of course, he has to for the novel's sake, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the novel's plot has to keep going. Right. And so they kill Lou and Ray gets away, but they know where he's going. Yeah, well, well uh, Bobby says if he gets to the highway, he's gone. Yeah. And so they split up, Bobby and Tony, and Tony passes the trailer. And then Tony's like, yeah, I bet he's in there. I bet, uh, yeah. And, and sure enough, it's super intense. And it is, you know, where he finally admits, like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I remember. He's like, yeah, I remember your folks. This is what I did. And this is how I did it. Blah, blah, blah. And he, you know, like, like an, <laughs> like an evil, like an evil genius in a Bond movie. He just tells yeah. him everything. And, Tony shoots him, but at the same time, Ray clips him with that. What, what, it was, was it a crowbar or some shit? I think it was a. Oh, it was a fire poker. Or yeah, something, right. Well, he shoots him twice. Yeah, so he, he shoots, shoots him, and, and he's it, like, "You!" And he wheels back, and he shoots him again, and that's when he clocks him, clips him in the eye. Oh shit! And so Tony passes out. Tony uh, comes to. I, I will say, I was a one hundred percent. I was like. Tony's dead because that's how most revenge movies play out. Well, not yet, Rain, because he's still <laughs> got to make it outside. So yeah, so Tony, Tony's alive. Tony's alive. He can't see anything, and I love the that he's 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 scared because he thinks Ray's still alive. Right, like mm-hmm. it freaks him out that he's still there. But then once he feels around more, he realizes he's dead and he gets to leave. Yeah. So I have a question about that. Sure. Because he only shoots him twice before Ray clocks him. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming then where he had shot Ray, Ray just bled out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, point. The whole point of that is Ray's dead, right? They got Lou, they got Ray. We're good, right? Yeah. Um, other guy, who cares? Oh, no, he died in the botched... That's right! Um, robbery. Robbery. Good job. Yeah. Good job, Ray, and he paid attention. So, um, yeah, so, so Tony makes his way outside... And he ends up shooting himself. Well, he, he tra- he's trying to. I think he's trying to signal. Yeah. So he shoots up in the air, and then he he trips and falls. Yeah, he falls on it and it shoots him. Well, in the, well, he, in the well gut. he falls down and he's trying to get back up again, mm-hmm. and he falls again, and that's when he shoots himself in the gut. Yeah, and then he bleeds out, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the end of the, but, uh, the manuscript. But it's 
you know, it's fitting because, you know, after that he has nothing to live for. What he was living for was to was to see justice done for his wife and child. Yes. After that, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Right? So now we get to my favorite part of the movie. Well, and I really like the, you know, kind of like what we were talking about going back and forth between the novel mm-hmm. and reality. I really loved how Tom Ford did, you know, while Ray, uh, Tony's bleeding out mm-hmm. and you could they have it with his heartbeat. Right, his heartbeat. It's going back and forth between Amy Adams and bed mm-hmm. where she's just kind of like looking off. And it's going back and forth. And then, like, the heartbeat starts to slow down. Yeah. I know. It's brilliant. It's yeah. like he's been doing this his whole life. I know. Which is this this novice brilliance that he I, has. I mean, it's not luck. Because, I mean, yeah. it's he knows what to do. And I think it's because he's done, you know, he has, he's done, like, costumes and things like that for movies. So he's been around movies before. This yeah. isn't, it's not like he just came off the street not knowing anything. He's known stuff. I mean, this is... He's been around it. It's just the fact that he could just pick it up that quick. Oh, yeah. And know how to make it right. It's crazy cool. Tom Ford's a genius. Anyway, so he – Susan gets an email back. <laughs> from from Edward. Uh, saying, yeah, sure, we can meet up. How's dinner on this night? Oh, no, he said, uh, just let me know when and where. Oh, my God, dude. Come on. I said – I saw it last night. Right. Fresh in my brain. Right. So – she lets him know, we assume, yeah. um, because we don't see it, but, you know, we see her getting ready to go out, right? Yeah, and... And I love that she puts on all of her makeup... But then takes off her lipstick. and Yeah, and takes some of it off because that's not how Edward knows her, right? Mm-hmm. This is the new her, and she doesn't like the new her, right? She's she's dissatisfied with the life, which what we get in the beginning of the movie when she's at um, Michael Sheen's house... Yes. I assume it's Michael Sheen's house. Yeah. And he's great. I love Michael Sheen. I, 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 if I have any qualms with this movie, I would say that's my one qualm. Very under-diminished of u- using of Michael Sheen. I love Michael Sheen I love Michael. so I, much. I, I want to watch that new show he's on, Prodigal Son. Yeah, I do too because he's great and I'll watch yeah. anything he's in. Uh, Masters of Sex is fantastic, by the way. is um, Showtime. Anyway. Uh, so, But yeah, so he – yeah, because they have a very – well, because she talks with her husband, her his his wife, wife right? Which we sh- I, I love that she's still married to him, even though he's gay. Yeah, it's like, what is it like having a gay husband? Oh, it's great. <laughs> you know, and she just talks about you know, yeah, uh, you but, know, we're, like we're best friends, we're blah blah blah, whatever. I always thought I thought that was odd. You know, Tom Ford himself is gay, and really, I thought he was married to a to a man. Yeah, oh, uh, well. they've they've actually been together since like eighty seven. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and he's in a single man. His husband is. Oh, okay. Um, and so I thought it was so odd that – and it makes you think that, you know, they're not in Texas anymore, you know, but that's that's sort of like an old school, like, I'm gay, but I don't want anyone to know, you know? Mm-hmm. They seem to know, and so it's it, – to me, it was odd that they were married. It's, it's an odd thing to put in – the movie it just I mean just because it seemed unnecessary that he would need to be married to a woman who cares right yeah uh, but anyway that's just that's that's a whole nother can of worms that <laughs> I just can't even think about right now um, so anyway takes off her makeup because that's not how Edward knows her waits in the restaurant and this is 
my favorite thing about the movie is he doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. All right. And so Tom Ford pitches two ideas, two theories. Yes. Why he doesn't show up. One. Um, he still hates her. He doesn't want to see her. Or he's still in love with her and doesn't want to see her. Right? That's okay. one option. Or two, which is my favorite, which is the one I choose to believe, is that he doesn't need to see her anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. What she did to him gave him the inspiration to write his masterpiece, if you will, to write this novel and it be actually good. Right? He doesn't need her anymore. This no. He's going to just cut it off. You know what? Who cares? And the I'll meet you there sort of a thing and not showing up is the last fuck you. You know what I mean? Right. And um, I really like the idea of, you know, he used his this betrayal and heartbreak and used it for this. And after that, we're done. Right. Right. I'm not. We don't need to speak anymore. We don't need to see each other anymore. I got what I needed from you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Bye. I choose to believe that. And the sequence of her waiting is so brilliant because she's just sitting there I sipping mean, scotch. I mean, you're on the edge of your seat. Like, oh, when's he going to show up? I can't wait to see what he looks like now. And you don't get to know what he looks like now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's just sit, sitting there sipping scotch mm-hmm. while the whole restaurant starts to clear out. Yeah. And, and it, it's absolutely brilliant. And I, I love. I love the idea of him, like I said, just you know, saying I don't, I don't need you anymore. Yeah, I, I, uh, I would also agree with that mm-hmm. as well. I mean, like I mentioned to you, my theory is that he wanted <clears throat> her to feel alone because mm-hmm. I mean, so I have another theory I, I, I want to bring up since now we've kind of talked about the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the scene with her and her mother, you know how she's talking about that. Edward is not her equal. Mm-hmm. And she explains that that this guy named Bass, which I thought was kind of funny. I was like, I was like, Bass! Dude, and he's now back on Facebook, our buddy Bass, anyway. Uh, uh, but she's excited. like, you know, he's your equal. Mm-hmm. And of course she, you know, Laura Lenny explains like, you know, intellectually and, you know, in, in careers, he's your equal. Mm-hmm. And when, when we see her, you know, have the affair with Army Hammer, Hutton, it's such a douchebag name, by the way. <laughs> Hutton. Hutton. Um, Hutton Morrow, by the way. Um, anyway, like, I feel like, in a sense, she was able to find her equal, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but even with her equal, she's still unhappy. And and he's cheating. So on was her. he. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Which is oh, dude. I fucking I like yelled it out. So. You know, he calls her from New York. Yeah. Oh, no, she calls him. Mm-hmm. She's like, why didn't you tell me you made it to New York? And he was like, because well, I literally just got off the plane or, you know, some bullshit. Yeah, some bullshit. And, you know, he gets, you know, and I immediately know, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker's cheating on her because it was, it was very subtle. But there was a woman on his arm. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, that was like, he's cheating on her. Yeah. Plain and simple. You know, I, I would need to watch that a few more times just to, because I know he said the the elevator operator, which is crazy that place has an elevator operator, by the way. Yeah. Which you can't push a button yourself. Uh, says, which floor, ma'am? Yeah. But, Dude, I was like, oh, he sold him out. But why? Because more than one people can, more than one person can be on an elevator at the same time and go to different places. Well, and I think it's because 
maybe the uh, well, yeah. I get narratively why it works and I get you but, know, but you're thinking realistically yeah I'm just like well, you know why would she automatically assume, assume he's cheating yeah you know I mean she's right he is yeah and the look on his face was like dude what the fuck you know, like, shut up like dude hey man uh, the 1930s called they want their job back okay like <laughs> anyway um, um but no like it, dude, I love that. I was like, ah, Bellhop sold you out, dog. Yeah, dude, it was crazy, dude. Like, I was like, and, dude, that's what you get. And it was such a subtle line, too, because, you know, because I think he knew, because, you know, because he tells the Bellhop, Yo, you know, floor 31. She's like, floor 31, that's not our normal room, mm-hmm. which tells me they've yeah, been, they've been there, there before. before. Um, and, you know, and he, he does a really nice cover-up, like, oh, they didn't have our room available. You should have seen the scene I caused in the lobby. And yeah. she's like, oh, okay. And then... 31 ma'am and then she's like that's what it was that's what it was it was they were going to the same floor Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah and um, yeah so so you know I thought it was just kind of crazy that you know she eventually not really took her mother's advice but understood what her mother was saying Mm -hmm. Edward is not your equal you need to be with someone who is your equal Mm -hmm. and she got her equal but even then she wasn't happy. Right. And I felt like it was she almost like the character of Susan was made to not be happy. Yeah. You know, like Edward that, Edward tells her in the restaurant, you know, you you and your mother have the same sadness in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. And then she said, as long as I'm not like her, that's okay. And then when they have the fight about your constructors, like, you criticism. sound just like your mother. Oh, dude, I was like, oh. I was like, bro, you better fucking run. Bro. Um, <laughs> so uh, before we go, number one, I want to mention the music um, yes. by Abel Korzenowski. That's a hard name. Anyway, it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, I yeah. think I, he might have also done the music for a single man. I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, it, they're very similar, the scores in a single man in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with the 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 giant string orchestra and it's you know so devastating and it's so sad yeah. and it's so right and it's wonderful I love it so much and also the I loved the inner cuts of just the artwork she has mm-hmm. um, yeah. my favorite one was of the the Mexican man smiling at the camera and the American pointing a gun at him from, oh, like, a few yards away. Well, me and Ashley thought that was an actual scene where, like, oh, we're about to see someone get shot here? Yeah. Like, full-on fucking House of Jack build? It's it's crazy, man. I loved that. that well, I guess it was a photograph, yeah. Yeah, well, and, like, um, like I mentioned, you know, so Ashley knew how the movie played out, and she's like, you want me to tell you what happens? I was like, no. Absolutely not. And she was like, well, I will say that the central theme is revenge. I was like, well, yeah, I get that. Yeah, no shit. And, well, and then there, you know, like you mentioned, it was two on the nose as she passes the picture of the, the giant revenge. And, you know, she saw it in a new light, right? She even forgot she even had it, which means she probably passes it every day. Mm-hmm. But then she's reading this this novel uh, and then she looks at it and then she finally, you know, sees it, right? Yeah, because then she asks, like, when did we get this? And Jenna Malone. Oh, that's... I don't even know who that is. Well, um, fun fact, Jenna Malone um, was in Donnie Darko with Jack Gyllenhaal. So, okay. uh, Which Um, I love Jenna Malone very, very much. I think she's great. Well, and I will say this is the only time 
there was a jump scare and I did oh, jump. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did too. So, you know, yeah, so, first time you know like, oh, she, she shows her like, you know, I can look at Willow, which is such a pretentious, oh, artsy, pretentious artsy name to give to your child. No offense to Willow Smith. Good job. Yes. Uh, but she's like, yeah, like, look at my phone. I can look at Willow, my baby. And, you know, Amy Adams looking on the phone and then there's a, a flash of Aaron Johnson like yeah. in, the, in the camera and she... And I'm like, you just broke this bitch's phone. Yeah, but the new phone comes out next week. <laughs> Which I would assume then, if this movie's in 2016, seven was probably coming out. Or, oh, I because they all use iPhones. I didn't get um, that far into it. Um, Which I just um, thought, you know, it was it's fine because they're all rich snobs and they have money to buy new phones. Um, yeah, that's what you well, got. Which out of is it. one more thing I want to add before sure. we before we end the episode is you know they mentioned how they're broke. Yeah, they Susan do. and Hutton. Mm-hmm. They had to sell all the, the paintings, and, the, and she even told him, like, listen, we'll just get things from new artists, and we'll look like we're ahead of the time. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And then they mention it at Michael Sheen's house that, you know, they're broke. And But broke in a sense that's not the same as, like, if you and I were broke. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're scrounging for Yeah, they're food. not. Right, yeah. Broke is in the sense of, like, they just don't have any new money coming in. Exactly. And um, and by the way, I've never been more focused on someone making an iced coffee in my life <laughs> is when um, is, is when Army Hammer's making oh, it. yes. And then he like spills the sugar everywhere. And he's yeah. Like, At Shit. first I was like, is he making soda? At first I thought it was soda. I thought it was like one of those, you know, make your own soda. Right. right. And he's put. He has to add the sugar in, mm-hmm. and then he dumps it everywhere. Very possible, by the way. But then I'm like, it's in the morning. Why would you drink a soda in the morning? That's yeah. gross. <laughs> you know. So I assumed it was iced coffee. <laughs> um, but anyway, I was like, that's so cool. And then just, just the way he is, mm-hmm. right? And I well, don't know. I was an army hammer. So this is welcome back to the Army Hammer podcast. Oh, I feel oh like he's my. a very underrated actor. Oh no, he's fantastic. Yeah. Oh no, he is great. That's what I'm saying. But like. You know, he did great as the Winklevoss twins playing two separate characters yeah. in The Social Network. Um, and again, another movie that I'm probably in the minority in. He did great in The Lone Ranger. Yeah, of you're Gorver, wrong. Of Gore Vergimsky. Absolutely, you're wrong. Okay, go ahead. You're okay. wrong. That movie's terrible. Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't say the movie was good. I just said he was he good. He was good? He was good. Couldn't even pay attention because of all the racism and all the terrible, terrible, terrible movie things. Are you are you referring to the the fact that Johnny Depp plays a, a Cherokee Native American? Yeah, I'm actually not that mad about it. But well, um, he got permission from that tribe. Oh well, thank God. Um, <laughs> so weird. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I just love Army Hammer, and even though he's not in the movie very long, I thought he was yeah. great in it. Um, it's like four whole scenes. Uh, yeah. But, so all in all, to like summarize. Yeah, it was a great movie. You know, like I like I texted you. I really want to watch a single man now. Yeah, you should. Uh, I never, great. like I didn't know what it was about when it first came out. I was like, mm-hmm. and you're gonna hate me because I know you hate these people. Um, I thought it was a Joel and Ethan Cohen movie. Interesting. Oh no, that's a serious man. Yeah, yeah. that's where I was getting confused. I was yeah. like, I was like a single man. I I'll forgive you for because I I would probably make the same mistake if I didn't. Um, I wrote uh I wrote a paper when I did my semester of grad school <laughs> uh, on a single man, and it was on the mid century. Mid-century modern, um, I guess, deco, <laughs> uh-huh. and what that means, and how that influences, and and how it could symbolize themes in the movie, and it was so hard to write. <laughs> but I know that I know the movie and the book really well. 
So, so a, a single man is also based on a book. Well, I mean, it was a book first, but yeah. Well, like that's what I'm saying. Like the the movie's based on a book. Yes. So mm-hmm. both of Tom Ford's movies that he's done books. have both been based mm-hmm. on books. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, uh, would you like to do a little tease for next week's episode? I would love to do a tease. And shout out to my boy Zach again. Um, guess what, buddy? We're doing a Clockwork Orange next week. So. Yes, I am. Uh, I I mean, I've been excited for everything we've talked about, but I'm really excited for this just because it's Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I stumbled upon this movie because I'd, I'd heard of all the references and I'm like, well, what is this? Like um, in Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. I've never seen that. It's an experience. (laughs) uh, But there's a full on like three to five minute parody Mm -hmm. of A Clockwork Orange. Because Jack Black's character, JB, because he and Kyle play themselves. Yeah. But they're just JB and KG. And so JB is like asleep on a bench, and these fucking dudes oh, yeah, yeah. like terrorize him. And they all talk in like a Cockney accent, mm-hmm. and you know, one, except for one guy, he was like, "Oh yeah, he does look like a fucking baby." And they're like, <laughs> "Oh, oh we baby." <laughs> um, and and so funny. I was like, "Okay." Well, so like I watched the commentary, and they're like, "Yeah, that's a Clockwork Orange reference." I'm like, "Okay, what is a Clockwork Orange?" Watched it, fell in love with it, didn't understand it. Until I got older, when I when I first saw it, I was got like thirteen or fourteen. Okay. I was too young for it because I mean, not too. I wouldn't say I was too young for like the visuals or whatever. I was but too young meaning, to understand yeah. what I was watching. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's 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 how I was. I was like, what, what? I don't get the point. And the book is, from what I understand, impossible to read. It's really? so hard because it's that mix of Cockney and Russian slang. Really, and just it's just the way they talk is crazy. So like when he, when Malcolm McDowell, when Alex, is is talking, uh, you know how he uses those terms that you don't quite understand what they are. Uh-huh. It's it's a mix of Russian and Cockney, and so, <laughs> and so if you read it, it's like what is that? <laughs> what are you talking? It's so hard. Anyway, uh, maybe I'll get on Audible and listen to a little bit of it before next week. Um, that's what I tried to do with Tony and Susan, but. Uh, kind of got away from me. So yeah. Anyway, so, Clockwork Orange next week. Very excited. Yes. So we hope everyone enjoyed, and uh, we'll see you next week. Awesome. <laughs>